We were in New York. We were just there throwing around melodies. I said, you write your verses, I'll write mine. Because I know he had something to say. What, what was your opening piece? I just want to write yours down. So I'm tired of injustice. I'm tired of the scheme. Your lies are disgusting. So what does it mean? Okay, wait, let me write. When kicking me down. When kicking me down. I got to get up. I got to get up. As bad as it sounds. As bad as it sounds. The whole system. Is f***ing. <laughs> so what was just the whole system is F. The whole okay. system. Mother's gonna love us at this song. I told you not to do this, Janet, but you insisted. You tied my hands behind my back. I do not want to do a song like this. Okay, what, what else did you put? It was his song. Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire. My love is blind, can't you see my desire? That's the way love goes. I gotta cut that shit off before I fuck around and listen to the whole song and then be like, oh fuck, I have a five minute intro. <laughs> yes, this is King Known Uncensored. We're gonna call this episode Shootout in Philly. I understand why y'all confused. <laughs> like, you just did like a, a four minute Janet montage and you're calling the episode Shootout in Philly. Well, I think both of these stories are as dynamic as the other, but honestly, we're going to uh, save Janet Jackson for last. We're going to save the queen of pop for last. Okay. How about that? Is that cool? Y'all? Yeah. We're going to say, we're going to save the God Janet Jackson for, 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 for last. All right. But 
First things first, we got to talk about that shootout in Philly. <laughs> Man, I wish I had that Burda Burda Barcyville beat. The, uh, the only thing of the beat that I could find is like the loop. Because that's what I wanted to play originally in the theme song. Uh, a lot of y'all 2000s babies don't know what Murder Marcy, that, that song. That was on Bleak's album. And it had Siegel and Jay-Z on it. Definitely worthy of a fucking listen. But anyway, right? Let's get into business, man. Let's get down to business. I ain't got a time, no time to play around. What is this, right? Man, there was a shootout in Philly. Not a real one, but a basketball game in Philly. And I watched that from start to finish. You know, I had bets and money on that game. I lost. But I didn't get my ass kicked, though. I'm getting better with this betting shit. I mean, I've already won twice on FanDuel or whatever, but Tyrese Maxey versus Ja Morant. That was a very incredible game. I definitely um, enjoyed it. As the Philadelphia 76ers, without the services of Joel Embiid, beat the Memphis Grizzlies 119-122. to And it was one of those games where it was going to go back and forth until... The last, and it was gonna come down to the last person with the ball. And unfortunately, John Morant choked away two big free throws at the end of that game. And that definitely cost Memphis the game. And Tyrese Maxey had a showing like no other. This man has stepped in and did what Ben Simmons is supposed to be doing being aggressive. And being a great passer. But on the Memphis side of things, Desmond Bain, 34 points, 12 of 21 shooting, 7 rebounds. Um, Ja Morant was incredible, 37 points. Oh, he had 9 turnovers, though. Very costly, unfortunately. 5 assists to 9 turnovers. That's rough for my boy Ja. Meanwhile, on Philadelphia's side of things, Andre Drummond had the best game of the season for him. 16 points, 23 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. Why didn't you do this shit in Detroit, you bitch-ass nigga? I I, I had to throw that shot in. I'm sorry. You know, I had a rough weekend. I'm not going to really talk about that. But anyway, um, 33 points, 8 assists. Seth Curry shot horrible. And I needed him to hit three three-pointers, and he only hit one. Seems like the only sure bet is Steph, because that man had seven threes. We'll get to him momentarily, right? Um, Tyrese Maxey, 33 points, eight assists. That was crazy. Tobias Harris, though, he was huge. 31 points and five assists. 
Isaiah Joe came out there and provided um, great minutes with 10 points. So, my thoughts on this game. This is the best game I've seen in a very long time. Like, most of the games have been blowouts, uh, team disappointment, not enough back and forth, not enough competition. And this game exuded competition. Now, I'm going to move on to Golden State and Houston. I'm only doing the games that I watch because we have a lot to talk about. Um... Stephen Curry, shooting slump where, bitch? 13 of 23 from the field, 7 of 14 from 3. 40 points and 9 assists for Steph. It seems like, to me, it was another day at the office. And why did Clay Thompson decide to go 1 of 8 from 3? Why, Clay? When I bet that you would <laughs> make three three-pointers. Sick as hell. Sick as hell. Um, Andrew Wiggins, 23 points. He had a great game against Houston. I mean, it's easy to do that against guys who don't play defense. <laughs> Houston don't play no defense. Moses Moody started? Get the fuck out of here. I didn't even notice that. He had 11 points. Wow, Moda Moody. Moda Uda. He shot three of five from three. Moses Moody's going to be a very good player. I told y'all that Kaminga and Moody were steals for Golden State, and they were going to work their way into the rotation. And Golden State just has everything you need. It's going to be hard to beat them in a seven-game series. Well, excuse me. Excuse me for yawning. My goodness. That's what happens when you have 10 hours of sleep. Rockets had seven niggas in double figures. Christian Wood, 24 points, 13 rebounds. Um, Kevin Porter had 17. Jalen Green shot two of nine. Another one of those great Jalen Green showings, eh? (laughs) Some rookie of the year, right? (laughs) I don't want him to fail. Just only this season. But, you know, I'm just being my petty Detroit self. You know this rivalry's dead. We know Cade's the rookie of the year. Stop hating. Anyway, um, all in all, Golden State got their revenge against the Rockets. Because uh, Kevin Porter and Steph were going at it. And Steph... Steph was having his way. He poked the bear. I mean, Kevin Porter only had 17 points and 11 assists. This man, Steph, had 40 and 9. That is ridiculous. All right. Let's move on to Milwaukee. Um, A lot of people I follow have been commenting on Milwaukee's recent slide. I mean, according to this, they've been 5-5 five and five the last 10 games. And a lot of people are placing the blame on um, Mike Budenholzer. 
and I've had plenty of discussions with a lot of people that I know about this, and I feel like Mike Bootenholzer is one of the three worst coaches in the league. If not for Steve Nash's poor coaching, Mike Bootenholzer would easily be the worst coach in the league. And the fact that Giannis and them won the championship with this shitty coach, this shows the greatness of Giannis and how he is able to make so many players around him better. But even Giannis during this slump has been up and down. The defending champs do have a lot of obstacles, a lot more obstacles than they had last season. That this is no disrespect. You know, if y'all Lakers fans say that I got to give LeBron his Mickey Mouse ring, then you got to give Giannis his ring. Despite, you know, the Nets not having Kyrie Irving, Harden not being 100%, Kevin Durant's toe being on the line. And obviously the Lakers, uh, Anthony Davis being hurt. But I think the Bucks could have beat the Lakers, a healthy Lakers team, in my opinion. A lot of people are blaming Chris Middleton, which I, Chris Middleton is one of the five NBA players I do hate. Legitimately. Because he offers a lot more than what he gives but he's the most unathletic motherfucker to ever average 20 points have you seen chris middleton dunk like ever has he ever dunked on anybody or he just runs up the court and does that little white boy dunk the little soft two-hand dunk that white players were doing in the 1990s Um, but I definitely blame coaching and rotations more than Giannis and Middleton at this point. But despite that, I mean, they're still 31 and 21. And the Bucks are one and a half games back for the number one spot in the East. I think people are panicking on Milwaukee too fast. I mean, if the playoffs were to begin today, they would play Cleveland. And I think and I would pick Milwaukee to win that series. And then they would play Chicago in the second round. I mean, I would pick Chicago in seven games, but I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee could beat them either. So I think people are just panicking too fast. And they need to uh, let the second half of the season play out. The trade deadline hasn't happened yet. Nobody has been traded yet. None of the, the final playoff rosters have been determined yet. So, yeah. Um, the Clippers have overtaken the Lakers in the, in the uh, Western Conference standings as they appear to be one game ahead of the Lakers for the eighth seed. If the playing game were to begin today, the Clippers would play the Lakers. I wouldn't know who I would take in that game. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I didn't know that the Lakers are 9-15 and 15 on the road. Daddy, why you always on the road? And the Lakers are 3-7 and seven their last 10 games. And it doesn't help that bad news just keeps happening. 
LeBron James is knee is swelling and um, that's an unfortunate situation and uh, Frank Vogel refuses to play LeBron James until his knee gets better you know what I'm saying so download this song for free it's, it's crazy man it's just fucking crazy Um, I mean, this race for the East is the most interesting race in the world because there are nine teams above 500, nine teams. This is looking like that Western Conference in the 2000s. And Atlanta still has a chance of making the playoffs, but they would have to go through a rough time to get to that eight seed. It's some Titans in here. I mean, you got the Boston Celtics ninth. Brooklyn has slid to a six seed going four and six their last ten games. That's not a good look. I know they've been dealing with injuries, but that's no excuse. And the crazy part about this is, you know what's funny? Their road record is 17 and 7 and their home record is 12 and 13. I wonder why that is, huh? <laughs> On the road Kyrie, that's why. Kyrie Irving is the secret to the Nets success. We all know this. Without Kyrie, this team doesn't win anything. I mean, last year this dude averaged what? Was it 27 7 and 7? 50, 40, 90. Like, this dude is fucking amazing. I think Kyrie has definitely earned top 10 in the league status. Just based off all of these uh, results here. And they're on a current four-game losing streak. And then with James Harden not being focused, being fat, being out of shape, mulling other locations for free agency. Honestly, if I was Philly, if I was Brooklyn, I would trade James Harden for a bench. I would reset I would resend him back to where the fuck he belongs, which is hell. But anyway, Let's move on to Janet Jackson, the moment y'all all been waiting for, right? So, Janet Jackson dropped a documentary over the weekend detailing her life story because she was sick and tired of people doing unauthorized biographies about the Jacksons, but not telling the story in the right way. She details her success from out the gate from when she was born, the Jacksons put her into that spotlight and she had her father managing the beginning of her career you remember the dream street shit oh my god you know Janet's first two projects under Joe's management bricked and when Janet finally got her independence she went out there and took control literal literal control <laughs> To become that independent 
force of the queen of pop. You know what I'm saying? Man. And then it detailed her first marriage with uh, James DeBarge. And that nigga was on that shit. Heavy. Like, I, the thing that I didn't know was Janet would go out at night looking for this man. Finding him in alleys under sinks and shit. Like, shit was wild, bruh. Then her second marriage was to a fucking filmmaker and shit. A director. This motherfucker took that director shit too far. I mean, seriously, bro. Like, that shit was wild. And, you know, that nigga ended up being on that shit. (laughs) Then I remember my mans was up there talking about, I want my share. I want my share of everything. (laughs) Wow. Then, you know, it detailed her going into the uh, Rhythm Nation era. Like, that was pretty lit. That was my first introduction to Janet Jackson, you know, with the Escapade, Black Cat, Rhythm Nation era, Funny How Time Flies. Like, that album, that album was crazy. Like, her linking up with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Them getting into it. Like, that shit was crazy. Then, of course, the Janet era, which is my favorite. You know, Janet is my favorite Janet Jackson album. Despite, like, me liking at least five, six of those albums. Like, straight up. Janet got a fucking catalog out the ass. You can't fuck with that, for real. Like... Um, let's see, what else did it detail? Oh, of course. Then, you know, shifting into that all for you era when after she got divorced, then you know her relationship with Jermaine Dupree, like this nigga dog. This nigga cheated on Janet. <laughs> that nigga was wildin'. Man, I'd be punching bitches to get off me. You know who my wife is? Get the fuck away from me, dog. Well, he was they were engaged. But you know what I mean, dog. But you know, Janet said it wasn't the cheating, just the cheating. That nigga couldn't carve out time out of his schedule to be with her because Jermaine was hot around that era. Like 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, like 06, 07. JD was a, a top producer. He's a top 10 all time producer to me. You know what I'm saying? So, I was like, whoa. And the crazy part is, I'm not even done watching the documentary. Not even done. Not even done. I think it's like, Two more parts. Because, you know, where I left off at was the discipline era. 
And I'm trying to remember what year Discipline came out. I think that was like 07, 08. Definitely 08-ish. Because 07 was 20 years old album. But all in all, and then, oh, can't forget about Mike. Can't forget about the Michael Jackson era when that nigga uh, had that bullshit case about those kids lying on my nigga Mike on the King of Pop, just lying, spitting on my dog, dang. I ain't appreciate that shit. That was some whole ass shit they was doing to Mike. But, um, yeah, man. Janet returned to Gary, Indiana for the first time since she was eight years old because you got to remember. By the time Janet was born, the Jacksons was living in uh, Encino, California. You know what I'm saying? Man. But, dog. It was just... Janet lived a hell of a life, boy. And then when Mike and her was writing Scream, which I played in the beginning of the uh, show. Man. Mike was on. Mike was on one. He was letting niggas know not to play with his fucking name. I mean, that history album is kind of underrated. You had Janet and Biggie on the same album? Shit. But I love the documentary. You know, I'm a Janet Jackson super fan. Like, a big fan of hers. But anyway, man, that's my show. Uh, This is K-Known Uncensored Shootout in Philly. And I'm out of here.